This is Moon Knighting, brought to you by Gathering of the Geeks. We are Vengeance. We are Justice. We are Mark Spector. We are Stephen Grant. We are Jake Lockley. We hope that our meds kick in so that we are only one person at a time. I'm Emmett, and I'm joined by the Ted Lasso to my coach beard, Chris Evans. Chris, how's it going tonight? It's going. How about you? <laughs> uh, doing very well. We're also joined by the man from tomorrow, Aaron Caganto. How's it doing tomorrow? Tomorrow is hot, man. Seriously, I'm I'm literally sweating, so I don't know what's going on. But um, I do live in the driest state in the driest continent on Earth, so I can't be too surprised. Are you bringing that Australian heat? Is that what this is? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> under from down under. <laughs> that's what's going on here. Aaron just doesn't want to say. Yeah, exactly. that's right. <laughs> Got to get those tips up, boys. <laughs> this is a video blog, isn't it? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, depends how I download it at the end. Right. <laughs> Patreon. This, usually it's just audio, but maybe we'll work something out. Brought to you by OnlyFans. <laughs> uh, Gathering of the Geeks is available on YouTube and wherever you got your podcast. Just search Gathering of the Geeks and you will find us. So we're into episode three of Moon Knight from, uh, on Disney+. Plus. The Friendly Type is the name of the episode. And um, before we really get into it, I think it's interesting that you know, the first episode um, was kind of confusing, a little weird. Uh, the second episode was even weirder, added some new elements. Um, and then this third episode, it kind of just says, okay, let's go completely opposite the fucking other way and make it crazier batshit than, than normal. Um, so uh, I, 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 this one was crazy. It's wild. Uh, I'm glad that I got a second watch in because after the first time, it felt like I missed a whole bunch. Um, there's a lot, again, there's a lot packed in to these, uh, 50, 48 minute episodes. Um, but I think what we should do is we're going to start at the start of the episode and th the start of this episode is a lot different. I think than the previous two, we get a scene before the Marvel credits, um, which is something we haven't seen. And we get a scene with Layla, uh, kind of doing some passport, uh, issues, that kind of thing. Um, so you know, episode two started off kind of strange. It didn't pick up where episode one left off. And now episode three uh, is not picking up where episode two left off. Obviously, episode two uh, left off with Mark uh, waking up or uh, not waking up, but he's in Egypt. He's in uh, some kind of room. He just got blood everywhere. He's drunk. Um, and it ends just like that. This one, it starts with Layla getting a passport. How did you guys feel about that? Um, I like that they're making Layla more of a character. And that was a good way to do it. You introduce her first, solidify what she's doing. We get some fun um, banter between her and the passport lady. We get a Marlene reference. I think everybody's happy. Or I'm happy. Yeah, that whole scene, though, just um, it was more to – it gave, her, gave us a bit more backstory mm. on Layla. Because she was pretty much – she was introduced episode two, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, that's right. She was on the scooter. So we didn't know too much about it. We're only learning a little bit by little bit. But that scene itself, we learned a lot more. And, yeah, it's pretty much like you just said, Chris, there's a bit more of a Marlene 
kind of character, clearly, but they've just made a changed their name and obviously changed more of an Egyptian style, which is awesome. So yeah, I liked it. You even get the it's a the forger tells her you were your father's little scarab, which is a Marlene yeah. thing. Yeah, being the um and her dad was an um archaeologist. Mm. Obviously, something's happened there. And obviously, if you know the sort of like the origin side of Moon Knight and Mark Spector and all that kind of stuff, and you'd learn later on. Obviously, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but you learn later on within the scenes that um, Mark knows something about what occurred there, and Layla wants to know what he knows. But jumping back there, so obviously, yeah, that's a very it's a very uh, originist kind of Marlene kind of angle that they're going for, but they've obviously mm -hmm. changed it more to Layla, which is yeah, fine. It's awesome. I like it. I think it's interesting that of all three, we th three episodes now, they all start differently. They all end differently. Mm. Um, and one of the things I found was that um, they kind of, you don't get comfortable because there's, everything is different. It's like you, you can go in, you know, I expect when we go to episode four, that it, the, the start of that episode to be completely different. So I wonder if it's a, a, a non-purpose kind of thing where they're making sure that us as the viewer, um, don't feel comfortable going into the episode. You know, they're keeping us guessing with what the hell's going on in each episode. Um, and now even the structure of the episode, like uh, before the Marvel credit scene, I don't know if I've seen that in any Marvel um, project. I'm sure I, I could be wrong. And if anybody is watching, listeners, let us know and um, let us know if I'm wrong about that. But it's just something about it's making us not get comfortable in, you know, Mark, Steven uh, and Layla's shoes. They're keeping us on our toes. I think that's an interesting thing. Personally, I don't really like it that much, <laughs> as, as much like in episode two, um, where I was looking for, you know, uh, where's more of Mark in the suit? Let's pick right up with more of Mark in the suit. And this one, let's pick up right where Mark's in that hotel room. You know, I want to know what's going on. Um, so I get what they could be trying to do. Um, and maybe it's just more of myself not liking being uncomfortable with how the episodes are starting. Yeah, it's different. And like you said, uh, maybe it's purposely, maybe it's not or intentional. But I think that um, episode four should, I mean, it, I don't want to jump ahead, but episode four should take off from what we saw last. If it doesn't, uh, that's going to be confusing, which not to say Moon Knight is not confusing, but I, I think maybe we need some type of straightforward connection there. Mm -hmm. Just because the way it ends, it's, it's really, um, it's iffy, I guess. I don't know how you just skip from that, but we'll see. They probably will. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, let's not skip ahead too much, and let's just continue on um, with more of the linear things. We're going to get to the ending. There's a lot that happens um, at the end. So as soon as we get that Layla scene, good backstory, sure. After the credits, we get Mark running. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, and again, it's a more confusing thing. Like, well, we just saw Mark, and he wasn't in good shape. Now he's running, and he looks good. He, you know, he looks Oscar Isaac's good-looking fella, all that good stuff, yes. running through the, the rooftops of Egypt. And he, he, he gets in – he runs into – you know, I don't know, a mini gang or something, a little bit of banter, and then a, a fight scene. I'm not sure how you guys want to do this one. It, it, it didn't work for me, but let's start with uh, if you guys liked it or not. Uh, with that little fight scene, um, obviously, in the whole of this scene, um, even when the, the main fight scene is over, we get some Mark and Steven talking back and forth. There's some more revelations. Maybe we'll get to that as you guys want to talk about it. But what do you guys think about this little, um, you know, full-on Mark in a Mark body, no suit, uh, no Moon Knight, no Mr. Knight, just straight Mark doing uh, doing some beating up of some guys on a roof, Egyptian rooftop? Well, I like the um, 
the end of the second episode for me symbolized more Mark going back to Egypt and obviously sort of a better semi-trauma-ish kind of things. Like it's a place he doesn't want to return to because he's got, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of baggage that comes with it going back to that place. That's so one of those things is like, oh, I'm back here again and hence he's drinking on the floor and all that kind of stuff. So when you cut to the, the rooftop scene is more of a Mark got to get the job done kind of guy. So he's had his moment in the hotel room where he's drunk and, you know, drinking and blues away. And then he's like, right, I got a job to do, which is a very obviously military kind of side of it. It's like, yep, got to get it done. Um, the fight scene directed wise, if I remember correctly, for me, it was a bit clunky, the direction of it, but talking about the characteristic, I kind of liked that Mark was a bit susceptible to some of their hits um like he wasn't it makes when he has the moon knight garb on makes him a bit more i know threatening i guess to a certain extent gives him a bit more layer of armor so with him getting hit and thrown around and all that kind of stuff didn't it kind of worked for me when he's not wearing a suit and obviously him not being in the suit for me currently at this point of time i don't think it's been stated but um, it was during the day kind of gear. So where obviously he's only got the suit on when it's at night and the moon is out. Obviously there are comic runs where, which I have been reading like for the earlier part of Moon Knight, um, where he has got the suit on during the day, but it's the moon that gives him the power, extra power. But obviously within this TV show, it's looking more like it's only when the moon's out that he can get the the symbiote suit. So him being Mark on the rooftop, getting beaten around a couple of, a couple of times, yeah, that, that works with me. It's just the direction of it was a bit clunky, I think, for me. I might be the odd man out here because I thought the direction was fine. Um, it reminded me kind of like when you see Daniel Craig's James Bond beating the crap out of somebody. So I was pretty happy with that yeah if you're making that comparison chris you'd love it <laughs> yeah when i when i think of it that way yeah this is this is amazing give me more of this yeah. <laughs> um i my issue with the scene is that the gang was kind of over the top and yeah licking the knife and then yeah mark's gonna punch you in the face sure but the dance fight thing like the line was fine but him actually scraping the ground I didn't really get it, but okay. Um, apparently, apparently that's a very Egyptian style of fighting. This is what oh, I looked into. It? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm on a, a Facebook group, and there's a girl on there. The Egyptian fighting Facebook group. No, no. <laughs> I think it's called Moon Nighters. And there's a after every every episode, she's an Egyptian, and she will break down the Egyptian oh. side of it. <laughs> and she said that 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 fight scene, the way they do it, they're very flamboyant. Like they okay. will scrape across it's a very egyptian style and like a lot of people over there aren't happy with it because it looks so ridiculous but um yeah so i was the same i was like okay this is a bit flamboyantish and all that but when she came on like when i was reading it's like yeah it's a very egyptian style of fighting I'm like, okay okay well that okay that that, that makes a little bit different but yeah, I, I, yeah they they are still very animated is the way i'll put it yeah well, well mark says are we going to dance or are we going to fight right and I, I like that and what i liked a lot about that scene is that it's just mark specter doing mark specter stuff because he that's what he does he's a mercenary he's trained to do that and there's that scene where he's about to hit i think one of the young the younger guy there and at first he has a full fist going and then he like has a moment and he switches just to slapping him down because like no Goes full Will smith on him kind of <laughs> 
Kimu out of your mouth. Kimu's um, <laughs> name out your mouth. But no, um, when he, you know, he has like that moment where like, okay, I don't want to kill this kid. I'm just going to slap him. And also, um, you brought up something about Mark not wearing a suit in the daytime, but his hat has a moon symbol on it. Hmm. I don't know if Mark is just like Batman and likes to have bat gear hanging around him, but it, it was interesting that he has that hat, and he loses the hat while running on the rooftops, but then he has it again later on in the episode. So unless he's carrying a bag of hats and we don't see it. <laughs> Conchu's got marketing happening. Right, Conchu is marketing, or it's a, it's a construct or something of Conchu. I don't know. I just thought that was an interesting little thing. It's probably nothing, but I noticed it. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with uh, Aaron, and uh, I I felt it was clunky too. I felt like I noticed too much stuff that was happening. I noticed the editing. I noticed the the weird acting, like you were saying, Chris. Um, the other thing that I noticed right away was how much I enjoyed the Stephen and Mark stuff that we were getting. Yeah. Um, Stephen in the knife. Stephen in a mirror. Um, and sometimes just Stephen, I, I, I think I, if I remember correctly, you don't even see him, but you just hear him. Um, maybe that's later on in the episode. I'm not sure. Um, but like you, like you said, Chris, before Stephen even says anything, he changes from a, a closed fist to an open fist. So even without Stephen in his head, you know, telling him not to do things, Mark is already starting to feel um, a guilt towards what he's doing. Um, so I, I love that stuff about the episodes, and I love that continually throughout all of the the three episodes that we've seen is the is the interaction with the that second person through a mirror or through a um, any kind of a vessel that you can uh, hear each other talk one of the other big things from this start of the scene is the switches that we're seeing obviously mm -hmm. we've seen a ton of uh steven to mark switches and now we're getting mark to who uh mm -hmm. that's is a very interesting thing we assume that mark would go to steven but in this fight scene, Mark goes to, we don't know. He wakes up as Mark again. There's more blood. Um, he's got a knife in somebody's stomach. Um, and Stephen is saying, or Mark says, Stephen, what did you do? What did you do? And Stephen says, it wasn't me. Um, so how did you guys take this? Obviously, we know there's another personality, Jake Lockley, who's a cab driver. Um, from what I know, and maybe you guys can tell me more, he's not an overly violent person much like Mark, who is literally a mercenary and kills people for a living. Um, I think you guys described it before. Jake's more the, uh, you know, in investigative detective type of guy doing his work with his cab, um, street level stuff. So how did you guys read this whole, there's another personality inside the body and Mark doesn't know who it is and Steven doesn't know who it is. How'd you guys read that? Well, first when as soon as it was kind of, it, it was stated that they didn't know who it was. I think I had like a like a jolt of excitement, like Jake's here, <laughs> and then um, then I I was like, oh wait a minute, okay, so this is what I was, was going through my mind as they were going through that scene a bit. So you have Stephen as the gentle guy, you have Mark as the regretful warrior or whatever you want to call him, and then Jake is now the psychopath. That's kind of the way I'm looking at it, and I'm wondering if that's the way it's going to play out, where Jake is the aggressive one. It's like when things need to get done. And Mark doesn't want to do it. Steven's not going to do it. Guess who's there? Jake's going to stab somebody in the stomach because they need it. Uh, not the person. The Mark needs to get it done for whatever reason. Yeah, it's very much the same way. It's like when that when it occurred, it was first thing I thought was, "Oh, Jake's here." 
you know, but once again, like, yeah, with, within the within the comics, you know, Jake's obviously, to me, he's not that overly violent compared to <laughs> compared to um, Mark. But in like, if you're turning, if you're talking about, all right, already this season, we've got a completely different Stephen, mm-hmm. completely different to the comics. So, and um, as Chris was saying, for them to have this. Um, for Mark to have this torment like an angel and a devil on his shoulder now. He's got the angel, which is Stephen. He's going to have the devil, which is Jake. So when that third personality is going to come in more often, when he gets – he's already in, but, you know, when we actually get to experience it and see it as an audience, we may be able to see Mark have this internal battle. What I like about this episode compared to the other two, like mirrors are playing a big part in this show. Mirrors are playing a big part. And this episode feels like a, a mirror, flipped mirror to the other two, which, you know, it's obviously that it is. You know, Mark now is dealing with Stephen. And, like, Stephen's like, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that kind of thing. And where before it was Stephen saying to Mark, you know, well, Mark saying to Stephen, you know, let me in, let me in, let me in. Now it's a complete polar opposite, like the mirror image. But now, obviously, we've got Jake. Well, I'm assuming it's Jake coming into it. And they're just bringing that that ultra violent one because what we saw with Mark for the slap, for example, or even when he, he held the child over the edge, he didn't want to, he, he had no intention. It was conscious saying, just do it. He'll tell you, just do it. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I'll just do it. He's going to tell me anyway. And the kid ends up, you know, chopping off his own, um, whatever. Hell that Hydra. was like, um, that was like hell <laughs> Hydra. Yeah. Very like, you know, going the, um, stone. Um, and, yeah, so you know, Mark's got that that level he will go to. So the the filmmakers are going to need a character that's going to go that extra yard to challenge his character altogether. Because where, if you bring a third character into Mark, the question is, what direction would you take it? When you've already got a Stephen, where else? And you got a you got a Mark who's a, the mercenary, who's the violent one, who can do what he needs to do. You got Stephen's the one that's more the pacifist. If you bring a third character into this show, what are you going to do with it kind of thing? What are you going to do to test him? And I think making him the ultra-violent one, like the angel-devil kind of side of it, kind of makes sense to me, which I'm, I'm really okay with. As long as it tears Mark apart, I'm, I'm, I'm a happy man. As long as I get to see Oscar, Oscar Isaac, literally, and I'm jumping ahead, but the way he turns, it's just insane. And I want to bring mm-hmm. a third one into this because it's going to entertain the shit out of me. I'm not going to lie. I, I wonder if they are taking cues from like Vengeance of Moon Knight. With Jake, because that was a pretty violent version of him. So I'm wondering if that's where Jake comes in. Yeah, By the way, uh, Vengeance of the Moon Knight is a, is a, was like a mini series that nobody really seemed to like or remember except me. But <laughs> it's a thing. It's an interesting thought I had about this third personality. All I thought about was the first episode um, mm-hmm. where he has the date with this girl. Um, and what what's Mark making? Mark doesn't need to make a date. What does Mark care? Um, Steven didn't remember making a date, so was it the third person? Um, and then this goldfish. What does Mark care about a goldfish? I, I, I don't. I never got the idea that Mark would go to and get this goldfish. Steven didn't know about it. Maybe it was this other person. And the other thing, I, I, it's kind of a, a stretch, but what does this person keep calling him at, at, at the museum? He doesn't know his name. He calls him Scotty. Like, I know, like, introducing a character named Scotty would be weird, but I, I, this whole idea that, that from that first episode that, and the stuff that happens in that episode is even more now that we actually have 
I don't want to call it proof, proof with quotation marks around it, that there is a third personality. And all I thought about with that first episode where there's, there's the subtle hints that Stephen didn't do this and Mark seemingly didn't do this. Um, I, I really like where it's going. And I agree that like Stephen is completely different from the comics, so they can make Jake whoever they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not, you know, there's no, <laughs> I guess they can make him a cab driver in Egypt. And I like that they, you know, he, he's in a cab. Um, Mark Sinekab and, and going to the airport, which kind of an interesting thing. But, uh, anyway, so that that's just some thoughts that I have. That and I love that that, that it's all ma- it all matters um, so far. Everything that we've seen, all the little hints that we've seen, it all it all seems to matter. And I think that's you know that's that's the right way to do it. Um, in a in an ep- in episodes and series that is so freaking confusing at times, that the little hints that they're dropping, you know, they're maybe not not so little anymore. I think this is this is a show that will really benefit once we get to the end of it and we know everything to go back. It, it's kind of like watching The Prestige from Christopher Nolan. Once right. you know the twist and you go back, it's like, oh, wait a minute. That's why this is like this. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those kind of things. It's like intentional plot holes, intentional plot holes within a series. Like they're intentionally doing it. Where generally it's the opposite way. You'll watch a movie and go, oh, that's, that can't work out. I can't do that. Whatever. You know, you pick a plot hole. Here they're actually putting plot holes in front of us. So we have no idea what the hell's going on. Except to rewatch and drive the numbers up. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And I'll be one. So uh, aside from the Mark, Layla, Stephen, and somebody else, we also get a bunch of Conchu and Arthur stuff. Yeah. Um, so Arthur and his cronies, they're in Egypt. They got the scarab, and they find out where Ahmed's tomb is. Um, and Conchu is, you know, Conchu and Mark are kind of at their wits' end after they do this thing with the kid um, and trying to figure out where they're supposed to go. They have no idea where the tomb is. They don't know how to find it, all that kind of stuff. So Conchu has an idea, and it's, he says it's a bad idea. Um, and this is where the the weirdness, the um, the God stuff, um, the stuff that if people were just watching this and are really out, uh, out of out of the dark or out of the light or in the dark about who this character is, once they see what happens in this next stuff with the avatars, with the gods, Horus, all that kind of stuff, man, it's gonna it, it's really gonna weird them out. It, it would have weirded <laughs> me out if I didn't you know read a little bit of Moon Knight or having talked to you guys. So. Obviously, we, we, we find out more of the backstory about Conchu, why he was banished, um, more of these avatars, which was I, I really think was a really interesting thing, how the, all of these gods have avatars. Anyways, so um, Mark wants to put, Mark and Conchu want to put Arthur on trial. Um, and Arthur's called in, and they kind of have a little thing. And I, I thought it was really strange to begin with. It's like when you um, you, you know an answer and, and somebody else doesn't know the answer, and you just want to tell them so bad. Um, you know, like, oh, come on, it's right there. Just do, uh, uh, uh. Anyways, it's like helping your kid with math, even though you want to try them, try and get them to do it, but you can just give them the answer. Um, I wanted I wanted that to happen. I just thought, like, Arthur, this guy, he's a bad guy. Don't listen to him, blah, blah, blah. Like, Mark's laying out the case. It's pretty simple, um, you know. Um, so it was really weird the first time watching it, seeing that, you know, this main Avatar guy, I forget who his um, god was. Uh, Osiris, maybe. I don't think they said. I don't think they, I don't I think they specifically said who was to except for um, what? What was the lady's name? I can't remember. I'm pretty sure when it was. I think it's a wide shot where they're introducing all of them and their eyes glow. Mm-hmm. They say the name. Oh, do they? I'm okay. pretty I, sure. Well, I'm the, pretty the, sure. The female introduces a, a, them one by one. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah there's a Horus and an Osiris, I think. 
Yeah. Um, anyway, so what do you guys think about this trial? Um, I found it weird right away that these people weren't believing Mark and they were taking Arthur's word for it. But then we see at the end of the episode that Arthur and this main guy are kind of, I don't know, in cahoots a little bit. And they're talking in the tomb and um, they're basically all against Conchu, which we've seen uh, banished Conchu. Anyways, what did you guys think about this whole trial thing? Um, obviously they're in the pyramid. Stevens <laughs> loves it. He's inside this pyramid of Giza and he, he's like a kid in a candy store, which I thought was really, really funny. Um, anyway, so what do you guys think about this trial scene? Um, Oscar Isaacs, holy cow. He was amazing in the scene, I think. Um, anyways, what, what do you guys think about this, this, uh, this trial scene? You want to go, Chris, uh, since it's your boy, Conchu? I love the Conchu, uh, content in this episode. I really did. He was great. Especially that I thought he'd talk. Um, this scene though was really cool to me for a number of reasons but one of them was the pyramid there in the pyramid that's the same pyramid the little girl in the museum was stuffing trash into in the first episode might be something this this little girl man it's floating around my head as well but carry on Chris you know it's just yeah I think there's something there but that's you know my WandaVision theories that we'll have to get to at another time um, with this particular scene, though, I really liked the way it was handled. I uh, I wasn't um, sure what it what Kanshu meant when he says, "Oh, I'll be there." And then when you see it, and Oscar Isaac is channeling another character, and this time he's just like possessed, and the way his body language is, and he's speaking, I really like that. I thought it was cool that. The um, the other avatars actually felt sympathy for Mark. Like, hey, are you being taken advantage of? I thought that was interesting because it, it just seemed like something new. You would think that they would be on Conchu's side. Like, oh, you're his avatar. Do what he wants. But that's not what it was. And then when um, evil Kevin Bacon is summoned and he walks through his portal <laughs> and everybody's like respecting him. It's like, how is this even possible? You are not even one of them anymore. It was really interesting, though, and I liked the dialogue with it. I liked the setting. That was a beautiful set. Like, they really did a good job in that. You felt like he's in a pyramid. It was something out of, like, an Indiana Jones movie, which I've, you know, we've been over that. And uh, it, it reminded me of The Mummy at the same time, which I guess is part of the course. But it was just a really cool scene. And I liked the, the subtle theme with the eyes glowing when they would talk. That was cool. This episode itself for me is a very conchu heavy episode, which is good. It gave a bit more of a dimension to him because previously the last two one, it's like kill him, you know, the hit him in the throat charge. and all this kind of stuff. Like, and um, yeah, the idiot is in charge with this one. You actually see his vulnerability and what he really wants that what he really wants to stop is, is legitimate. Like even in the actual, um, even in the actual trial scene is the best way to put it. It's conscious like I'm, you know, you're the one, you are the ones that have given up on these people. I am not giving up on these people. Like he, he believes he's still doing the right thing via the people, but obviously yet the other gods have no trust in him, no matter what they, what he does or what he says, they have no trust in him whatsoever. So I think it was, uh, it was, uh, he was already walking into a loss basically. And, um, he just had to try and do his best. And yeah, when evil Kevin Bacon walked in, yeah. um, uh, he didn't have to do much because of his, the way he is. Once again, Ethan Hawke has this relaxed tone. 
You know, mm-hmm. you've got you've got good old Oscar Isaac, which play his his eye acting as dumb as weird as it sound. He, his acting in his eyes was phenomenal in that scene because you got Conchu belting out, and you could just kind of see the in within Oscar Isaac's eyes of like, what the fuck is going on right now? Yeah. You know, I can't control anything, and I'm freaking out, kind of thing. And um, yeah, and when when Ethan Hawke comes in, everything's calm. No, I was just, I was, you know, I was just in the sand. I was just looking at stuff. And now, if that's a bad thing, fine, you know, whatever. And the gods have already got something against Conchu, so he was already at a loss. And you know, unless evil, and God, Arthur, not evil Kevin Bacon, unless Arthur actually admitted it, you know, that he was doing something wrong, you know, it was never gonna, it was never gonna go work out well for Conchu. But um, I did love the. Like you said, Emmett, how they felt sorry for um, Mark, and um, how they wanted to talk talk to Mark itself, and mm-hmm. then you know, even Mark's like, "I am not on trial here," but Arthur managed to turn it back onto him, back onto Mark, and go, "Well, you know, this guy's not well. He is sick, you know." And he's turned it back, and it worked out well for him. It was a fantastic scene, and yeah, Oscar Isaac just once again owned it. I loved I it. I think it speaks to the power of Arthur Harrow in this in this show because he's really just a man of words. Like we haven't seen him really get physical. We've seen him, you know, conjure something, but he has not got his hands dirty really. All he does is he, you know, he's very sinister to us because we see it, but to someone who's not seen what he does, he just comes off as a calm guy. Like, hey, you know, Conchu's full of crap. You know what he's done in the past. This guy has problems. Why are you listening to them? Listen to me. I was just building a sandcastle. You guys interrupted it. <laughs> and even that, even so, when you go like that, even when he takes the life of those people in episode one, episode two, he still he's doing it on Ahmet's sort mm-hmm. of belief. He's like, no, you know, I wish you could see this perfect world. I'm gonna, we're going to build. So even when he takes a life. It's not really he, you know. He could actually be. He's just the vessel kind of things. Like it's not me. It's Ahmet kind of thing. So yeah, in terms of getting his hands dirty, he's, he's never really yet to say he's doing something on his own to do some sort of violence. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too. We'll fast forward a little with with Arthur to that end scene where. Um, actually, maybe I don't want to fast forward. I don't want to fast forward yet because that would skip over a whole other thing. Um, so let let let's keep going in order. So. Um, Mark uh, doesn't win. Conchu doesn't win his little trial here. But then there's that one avatar um, who's kind of on Mark's side um, a little bit, and, and she gives him a hint about how she, how Mark, can find Amit's tomb, and that's to go. And Chris, you mentioned it. A little bit of Indiana Jonesing is happening mm-hmm. here. You know, go to a go to somebody. He'll have something that'll get send you somewhere else. Um, all I needed was the airplane with the red lines through the map that Indiana Jones does. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Mark and Layla are all, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Mark and Layla go off on their thing. Um, Layla kind of bumps into him on the street as Mark is trying to find um, this person to find another person. Um, and they're on a boat. And there's a lot of good Mark and Layla scenes. There's two specifically in this um, in this episode. There's the one on the boat, and then there's the one in the car um, after a, a big fight scene. Um, and Mark and Layla are going somewhere else. And we've mentioned it a, um, a couple times in this episode. I think this reluctant, um, you know, reluctant violence that Mark has. Um, he understands what he's done in the past has affected him now. He he real he says it to um, Layla that he you know he's not a good person and she doesn't know him at all. 
Um, I, I really like the Mark and Layla stuff in this in this episode. As much as I actually, we we I think we all felt her introduction to episode two was weird. Um, and I can't remember if we all liked everything that she did in episode two. I think we did, especially towards the end when Steven's turning into Mr. Knight. I think we did. But I, I really felt, and maybe this is why they led off with her in this, at the start of the episode, is, you know, we're really getting into more of her feelings about, you know, she's actually married to this guy. She has mm -hmm. a big history with this, with, with Mark. Um, and feeling and understanding that everything that Mark has done, as much as it's affect Mark and his psyche, it's affected Layla as well. Um, and, you know, they talk about their past, they talk about the future and their present, um, which I, I really, really like. So there's there's two Mark and Layla scenes, and then we'll get into the Steven and Layla scenes. But, you know, what do you guys think about the Mark and Layla scenes in, in this episode specifically? I thought it worked well in terms of, like, you've gone from a scene where these gods have judged Concha and obviously Mark as well, and Mark's admitted that he's not well, and the gods have kind of like literally just turned their back on him, back on him, and have walked away. It's like, hey, you've got issues, you've got problems, and that's like where Layla's obviously um, in that boat scene. She's she's um, a lot more comforting. You know, if someone's got mental illness, if you're suffering from something, you know, you want that comfort. You want someone to talk to. You want someone to listen to you. You don't want people like the gods who said, you, yeah, there's something wrong with you, turn your back, you know, too bad. Where Layla's there to obviously um, help him out. And what I like about Layla and what they did at the start, not only did they give her a connection to Mark in terms of marriage, they've given her a connection to Egypt. They've given her a connection to the land and the people and everything like that, which is, I thought, amazing. In a sense that you're taking... If she wasn't in it and you went with the traditional Marlene role, you're going to take someone from, say, like uh, Mark, who's um, a Jewish person coming into Egypt, and a Marlene, which is more of an Anglo-Saxon person coming into Egypt, going, oh, I know everything and all that, where if you actually got a person from that country who has a passion about the people and about the country, then it, it just elevates her even more. Later into the start, that scene where they're in the um, that little marketplace area, if I remember correctly, and Mark's asking one of the guys who's tipping out the drinks. He's asking for something in particular, which I can't remember. And so um, the guy, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And he's asking for it, and the guy's like, "No, I'm not going to talk to you." And then Layla comes up and is like, "You know, you need someone from around this area to do this job, or else you're not going to get any answers." Um, so I find I love the whole Mark and Layla chemistry. I think it's great that Layla really wants to help him, and Mark obviously wants to push. Originally wants to push her away because she doesn't want her to get involved in what he's in. Um, so yeah, I really do enjoy that sort of towing and throwing. Yeah, I'm also liking the relationship that we're getting between Mark and Layla. I think it's very well done, and I like <clears throat> the fact that Mark has this wall up between them. And he's keeping it there. He's not letting it come down, even in moments when he could and he can be vulnerable. He's not, because there's like that part in the boat when she says something like, um, "We could have done it together" or something like that, and he says, "Yeah, but you know, I don't do that," or something to that effect. That was such a really good moment. And again, I praise the dialogue. I think a lot in these three episodes, and that boat scene I think had some of the best dialogue. Um, it was just really well done. And I like that they were actually on a party boat or something. And they're having yeah. a serious conversation on one end. And then there's, you know, this whole thing going on, on the other side. 
I thought that, that was, was a beautiful great. shot though. Yeah, it the was. shot itself is so beautiful. Like the boat was just lit up and then they'll go wide and I think you might have Cairo in the background. Yeah, yeah it was beautiful. And on the Nile, it's a great a lot scene. Of, a lot of pretty shots in this show in general, mm. but that was that's definitely one of them. Um, I did yeah. think it was a little strange how conveniently Layla just finds him in this busy square. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of convenience in this show, but in, until we see it all, I'm not going to judge that just because. Um, but there's a lot of convenient things. Uh, I think the second scene, though, the one in the car, that one is very special just because there's something else going on there. We don't even know it yet. But the way Mark is trying to keep that wall up is very interesting. I like Definitely. that you guys mentioned later. Oh, sorry. I was just saying to Chris, and then he's going to keep that wall up, but he's also trying to protect her at the same time. Right. You know what I mean? He's like, he wants to keep her away, but he's keep her as close as possible at the same time, because since they're in such a highly volatile area. But sorry, Emmett, go ahead. No, that's okay. I, I like that you guys mentioned how good this scene on the boat looked. And I think it's interesting, you know, as people who are, you know, I'm from Canada, what do I think of what Egypt is? Pyramids. It's, it's cool that we saw that stuff. But it's cool that, you know, there's a city here. There's a, a nightlife. There's a, you know, and eventually when Mark and, and Layla go to where they're going to see um, Anton uh, Margot or Margot, you know, there's horses and there's, you know, there's different looking structures. And, you know, it's not just sand. It's not just a desert. That's all not not what Egypt is. So I like the, um, the representation of what this country actually looks like or can look like. Um, so let's go a little bit further. So Mark and, and Layla, um, they're going to find... Um, this sarcophagus that has a map or a clue into where Amit's tomb is. And they meet um, somebody actually Layla knows. Um, I don't know, again, coincidence kind of thing that this is where he needs to go and she knows somebody who's also there. Um, it doesn't matter. Anyways, so she meets, they meet Anton uh, Margot, who is like an art collector or um, some kind of collector where he knows this kind of stuff. Um and they have a you know a little conversation with him, not much. And then Mark and Layla are trying to figure out how to do all this stuff. And finally, Stephen is needed. They need mm. Stephen. They need Stephen. And I I, I could have stood up and cheered and said, <laughs> Yeah, that's right. You you're talking down to poor old Stephen day after day, episode after episode, and you need that boy. Poor little innocent Stephen, and and his knowledge um, about the sarcophagus and all that kind of stuff. It's very very cool. Um, and then. Before we get into the big fight scene uh, with Moon Knight and Mr. Knight, what do you guys think about um, this kind of Indiana Jones stuff that we're, we've been talking about and this new character um, who it's a couple of lines, a little bit of an action scene. Um, unfortunately, the actor who plays this uh, gentleman recently passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not sure how that affected this episode, how it's going to affect future episodes. I'm not really sure. Um, but what do you guys think about the, a, a new character be, being uh, introduced? Um, so I, I knew, um, Mogart was in the show, of course. I didn't know what kind of role he was going to play. It was cool to see him. I liked the introduction and he's, they kind of show him just as like a, a rich Egyptian playboy or something or French playboy. I thought that was really cool. Um, but I don't think we really got a lot of him. You know, he just kind of felt, I want to call him a throwaway character. But there wasn't much substance. It it feels very much like this was meant just as a simple introduction for something to come later, which he's Midnight Man, so that's it's it's not far off. But 
I, I, I don't think there was a lot to judge him in this, but I, I liked what we saw. No, I think he just served his purpose, yeah. basically, for that scene. He's he's a he's a big enough character in the actual if we talk about the character itself, not the actor, unfortunately, but he's a big enough character they he's he can serve a bigger purpose along the road along the way. Um being Midnight Man and being the, the art thief and all that kind of stuff. So because we have Chris and I have uh, more knowledge of obviously Midnight Man walking into it. So when we get there and we see all this lavish stuff around him, I'm like, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it makes sense for the character to have all that stuff around him. Um, and it will make sense for him to have that sarcophagus and all that kind of gear because he's that kind of that kind of person altogether. Um, but what, uh, what I want to briefly discuss is what Emmett got really excited about. I loved them mm. needing Stephen. I absolutely love that scene. And just purely because once again, as I was speaking of before, that mirror image, like when they wanted some action, they wanted some violence, they needed Mark. Now they need Stephen. And like, cool, he's not just going to be this person that's going to be inside Mark going, no, don't, don't kill that person. Don't kill that person. No, don't, don't, don't kill that person. They actually bloody need him. And it's so good, you know, and, uh, and I like the way Mark, is accepting like he's reluctantly accepting of that you know even when layla's like we need steven we need steven and he's like no 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 and then you know steven chimes in on things on the top of the pyramid with a reflection and he's like tells her to get out just so he can deal with steven and like yeah and then steven starts helping off oh man i fucking sorry about the swearing but i loved it i absolutely <laughs> loved it i loved it that they needed him and i loved that he has more of a purpose than just the slapstick comedy, always always in the way kind of guy. He he's he's fucking needed, and I love it. Absolutely love it. So yeah, high fives all around for that scene. <laughs> having Stephen come back. Uh, so then, eventually, Stephen isn't needed anymore, and Mark is needed. <laughs> um, and Conchu is you know over and over again telling him, "Do it, do it, do it." Turn you know, summon the suit, all that kind of summon stuff. The suit. Yeah, exactly. So. Um, so then there's a, a fairly big action scene and a lot of Moon Knighty things. Um, you know, the, and it, it was mentioned earlier on in this episode about the healing powers of the suit. Yeah, I think Mark rumor. says it to Conchu or Conchu says it to Mark. I can't remember. It's on top of the building um, before Conchu summons the um, the gods and the avatars. So we get kind of like a, a, a confirmation that like it's he's not invincible. Uh, we thought that all the way back in episode one where his jaw kind of heals. So I wondered mm-hmm. if there was something there with the healing fire uh, factor. In this one, obviously, we see the healing powers of the suit. Uh, Mark's getting stabbed with a whole bunch of things um, uh, after Stephen couldn't couldn't hack it as uh, Mr. Knight. He couldn't talk those guys down with guns and, and swords to stop fighting. Um, anyway, so... A very cool scene with Mark jumping off the structure or whatever, like a, a mini pyramid and like full on, you know, moon cape, which is totally badass. And I wanted to bring up something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's an interesting uh, pull there. An interesting thing I want to mention. I mentioned this last episode when I talked about the Mr. Night suit, how I felt it was too clean and too white. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and then. Reading, if you read more of Moon Knight, which I, I did uh, recently, I caught up more on the Jed McKay run. Um, the white, is, it, that's how it 
that's how it looks in the comics. He looks mm-hmm. out of place. The whole thing is he wants, to, yeah, he wants to be seen. Um, that's why he wears white and, and all that kind of stuff. But like, it's 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 literally like white, white, white um, on the page. So then, seeing it in action here, um, specifically, you know, there's dirt. It's you know, the the dust of the uh, the, um, the the horse ring or what have you. Um, it's up in front of you, but the the suit is still. You know, when the quick we see of of the Mister Knight thing um, in this scene, it's it's very stand it stands out a lot, and it's on purpose. So, um, I just wanted to mention that that was kind of a thing that I disliked about the suit from the second episode. But then, if you're, it helps if you know more things about the character. So it's helping me that we're doing this and then reading it, just seeing the suit. So obviously, the uh, Moon Knight suit we see a lot of action, and I mentioned mm-hmm. that 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 Moon Cape. Um, you know, again, it it looks very CGI. I think we're you know we're three episodes in. It's almost just an acceptance thing at this point. Um, it is for me, anyways. You know, it it didn't pull me out of it. Even the earlier scenes with Conchu um, and you know the kid falling uh, falling off the cliff and the the cliff looks CGI. It looks bad. I'm I'm just accepting it at this point. It, to to fault this the show or these episodes every time there's you know wonky CGI, it's just going to get tiring. Um, there's so much other stuff in these episodes aside from the CGI that it doesn't really bother me um, as much. But you know, we get a lot of action, a lot of a lot of killing. You know, Moon Knight kills a lot of those guys, um, and they try to kill him uh, a lot too. So, what do you guys think about the scene? Since we got the expect rainy anyway for this one, <laughs> I lost my shit when I saw the crescent cape when he was coming down. Because oh, when he showed down the trailers, I, I went nuts over. I was like, that's that's perfect. <laughs> And to see it in action, it was beautiful. I lost my shit. And then I'm not going to pick on the CJ. Like like you said, I mean, and you made a great point. It's wonky. We just got to accept it. It's it's bad. When he does that run, and he goes through the fence or jumps over, I forgot. It looks yeah, terrible. But yeah. that's okay. I don't care anymore. Yeah. When the action is so brutal. And he looks cool doing it. And yeah. this was like Mark Unleashed. Like, this was Moon Knight. He didn't care. He was fighting, killing. I mean, there's that one bit where he stabbed with spikes, which was all kinds of badass, by the way. <laughs> and he grabs the guy and stabs and, like, impales the guy on the spike that's in his own body. Like, what else do you want? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it was so cool. And uh, just how acrobatic he is, which is also the way he fights in comics. You know, he he's brutal, but he can also like jump around and do some stuff. I mean, he's not Spider Man, but he he does some stuff. And then um, <laughs> when Stephen does pop in for that second, anything? Oh, okay, the action's <laughs> over. Stephen's <Yeah>. here. <laughs> There's actually a point to it because scenes like that show Stephen is also accepting. I can't do what Mark does. And Mark can't do what I do. So it's forming that bond with them. So while people may complain, the idiot's in control again. It doesn't matter. It, I, well, to me, it didn't because I think it, it works now. It, that's the thing. Like this show, when you go back, it makes everything fit together better. Even as you watch and you just think of it again, like, oh, okay, that's cool. And also, just to touch on the CTI, for one last thing on this. I believe the entire budget of CGI went to Conchu because he looks great. He looked great in daylight, which, as everybody knows, is a very rare thing to pull off with a CGI character. 
when he's relaxing on that broken down car, it looks like Conchu exists. Like you can't tell me he does not at that point. So yeah, great, great fight scene. Um CGI, CGI, Moon Cape, lost my shit. <laughs> Dot points. Yeah. Um uh, one question, maybe you guys can answer. Is this the first MCU show where the hero openly kills? No. No? No, Cap has murdered when he needed to. No, like, the MCU I, shows. Oh, the MCU shows. shows? Yeah, the Disney Plus shows. I want to say Falcon and Winter Soldier. Oh, no, Falcon and Winter Soldier. They had some deaths in there. Yeah, so Falcon and Winter Soldier um, kill people? That one? I'm the hero himself. No, what's his name? Um, the fake John, Captain America guy. Not John Smith. I know the fake Captain America guy killed somebody. John, <laughs> I think Bucky did too, though. I can't remember now. I can't anyway. Bucky did. Anyway, when actually seeing him flying around killing people, I'm like, oh my god, we are mm-hmm. we are definitely in Moon Knight's world right now. And mm-hmm. welcome everybody. You know, <laughs> this is what welcome you're, to the party, pal. Welcome to the party. <laughs> this is what you're doing. Um, I do have a few questions prior to the fight that mm-hmm. you know, hopefully you guys can clear up for me. Firstly, um, why do you think Mark didn't go into the suit sooner? When he knew what when Arthur was around, he knew what would happen. That, yeah, that's I think it's guess. that that reluctant that reluctancy to violence that he has now. I think, and yeah. Stevens in his, I think it was Stephen telling him not to do it at that no. point. No, it was just Conchie saying summon the suit. But okay, you think later after Arthur does the damage and turns around and walks away, then he's in the suit. So regardless, he was going to be in the suit. Mm-hmm. So why, for me, I was like, for one of the questions was like, why didn't you summon it sooner so you could at least save whatever parts you need to? I know later we get where we get to, maybe because he knew he hit it or something. I don't know. But I was like, um, why wait so long? And the other thing, um, the only other, this is my little nitpick for the, the actual series. It is a really cool shot, him being on top of the, like, the mini Louvre. But How the whole, get up there? Where did he go? He disappeared. Yeah. I'm like, okay, he's not. He's not, you can see he's, he, he's not a superhero in that sense of like Batman who has a grappling hook and all that kind of stuff. He would have had to fucking climb up there, you know, mm-hmm. just to stand there with the moon in the background. It is a cool looking shot, but in the back of my mind, it's like, dude, you know, it would have been, for me, it would have been cooler if you changed that, changed the suit right then and there and disarmed everybody around you straight then and there. It would have looked a hell of a lot cooler for me rather than them stopping look up and he's standing up there unless chris you have an answer we would have got the moon cape so Mm -hmm. oh yes we need the moon cape no yes like like i said it's a cool shot i'm not disagreeing with the shot it's more the the logistics behind it i'm like "Mm, it's a pretty high up place you need to climb (laughs) just to stand there and you know look pretty cool unless conch did something that's what i was thinking I, so, I think maybe Kanshu helped them on that because like he was really <laughs> close to those guys holding them hostage. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how he slipped away. The spectacle mm. wasn't that large. I think to, for him just to slip away and climb a, let's say, 15-foot pyramid, glass pyramid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, that, that scene took me out of it. But the action itself, I'm going to relate what I relate to nearly every episode. I'm going to pretty much say it every episode. I absolutely love this suit. I absolutely love this suit. What I love about this scene, this is the first scene out of three episodes where we're getting the suit in pretty much full light in a sense because most of the times when it's Moon Knight, 
uh, with the other two episodes um, are dark. You know, he's dark under the moonlight and all that. We hear he's under floodlights. So we actually mm-hmm. get to see more detail and a bit more of what the suit itself. And I absolutely love it. I absolutely love the look of it. Um, I did laugh when Stephen came into it and, and and told Mark I want to you know get come back I need you to come back come back kind of thing. Um, I'm a sucker for uh, heroes that don't have uh, cows on. So when we saw Isaac's yeah. Oscar Isaac's head in the suit, I'm like, you look so good. I know you're impaled at the moment, but my God, you look so good impaled, kind of thing. But um, yeah, and then obviously got him even more angry and he took out all these people. I just, yeah, throwing the moon darts. It was just, yeah, all the other, the wonkiness aside of it, I I think I was just too much in my element to give a shit, to be honest with you. I was like, this is just amazing. Yeah. I don't, uh, they could do whatever. They could have the worst CG in the world. I didn't give a shit. You know, they can have a guy with one of those green things with the little dots all over it and he takes them out. <laughs> I don't care. That's amazing. So, yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I think that was like a euphoric, what was it, like three-minute sequence, four-minute sequence? Yeah, it, it was it was just amazing seeing Moon Knight do people, Moon Knight stuff. I've seen a lot of people like going, "Oh, we want more Moon Knight in his yeah. like we want more Moon Knight." But I'm like, mm. my argument to that is like, you got to understand that Mark and Jake, they're such a dense character. There, he's such a dense character in a dense world. It's something that might be a budget to it where they can't afford it. And but like you said, uh, Chris, I think it was last episode that the suit majority of the suit is practical so the suit mm-hmm. lying around so he can wear it and in in theory if it whenever he wants in kind of sense as the actor but the story is so deep that you need you need oscar isaac to tell that kind of story you know rather than just have him going around you know kicking us and taking names that'd be my argument to it but yeah i don't know how you guys feel about the whole lack of moon knight ish stuff I never thought about it until just now, um, and maybe it's just because I'm part of the un- uninitiated, um, and maybe it's something that I related to back at the start of this episode, but not, not feeling comfortable. Um, they 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 could have shown lots of Moon Knight. We could have seen lots of Moon Knight at the end or at the beginning of episode two, and they just decided to go another way with it. Um, and and this way too, the switches between Mark and Stephen, Mister Knight and Moon Knight. It's just more of that thing where you know Mark and Stephen are uncomfortable, so that you know maybe we shouldn't be either. Um, no, and then, you know, we, we get more Mr. Knight towards the end of the episode um, in, in my favorite episode or a scene from, you know, the three the three episodes so far where they, they get the information from the sarcophagus, Mark, Layla. Um, they then decipher it. And again, they need Stephen. Um, I love that. And, and you mentioned it earlier on, Aaron, about the, the switches. This was the first well, there's a switch here where Mark needs Stephen. And it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, I don't know how long it is. It's like one of those, it's a mini one shot where Mark's walking from the, uh, he tears the mirror off the Jeep. He's walking towards it. He asks for Steven and the, the camera holds on Mark's face. There's no shuttering of the camera. There's no anything like that. It's just a, a switch from um, Oscar Isaac's Mark to Oscar Isaac's Steven. Um, the voice has changed. The some of his facial features, um, just the way he holds his face, is different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we talk about bad CGI. If if you want to talk about bad CGI, you have to talk about the amazing acting that we get from Evil Kevin Bacon and mm-hmm. from um, Oscar Isaacs in this in this episode specifically. I think um, even is because you know the end of episode two where Oscar Isaacs is you know um, amazing in that. 
he's just as good in the, in this episode, I think, in, in acting wise, specifically even with the Mark and Layla scenes where we get you know more of his 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 grief and his doubt uh, and his guilt to you know a simple thing as a switch, uh, a different way of doing their switches, which I really love. Aaron, you mentioned it earlier on about that that Mark to Steven switch that's a little bit different from the switches we've seen so far. Yeah, no. What I like, what I like as well is that Mark doesn't want to do any of that in front of Layla. Like in the pyramid scene, in the Louvre scene, sorry, he kicks her out. In this one, he grabs everything and he walks away from her. He's like, this is just going to be between me and him. And um, I also like the fact of how quick Stephen solves the puzzle. You know, mm. Layla and, and Stephen are sitting there. I mean, Layla and Mark are sitting there trying to figure out, no, this goes here, and then and they get Stephen. He has it done in like in under 10 seconds. Like, there you go. All done. <laughs> Cheerio, kind of thing. And um, <laughs> so I love that Mark needs acceptance, needs Stephen, has acceptance for Stephen, but just a little bit ahead before we, you know, kind of mentioned it, Emmett, with the Mr. Knight stuff. I also love the fact that Conchu accepts that he needs they need mm. Stephen as well. Conchu's the one sitting there going, oh, the idiot is back. Give me Mark back. Oh, you're an idiot, blah, 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 parasites and all this kind of stuff. And at this point, he needs him to the point where Mr. Knight helps him do what he needs to do in order to turn back the time. It's not Mark. You know, it's not his little avatar that he loves so much. He needs Stephen or he wants Stephen to help him do it. You know, because Stephen knows the constellations and all that. So he knows he needs Stephen to help him with that parole. And I, I do love the fact that in this episode, obviously, Mark accepts <laughs> very reluctantly Stephen's help. And um, I love the fact that Conchu accepts it so well. So they're actually accepting your character, Emmett, that you love so much. So it's a very much a it's very much a resurrection of Stephen in this episode, which is awesome. Yeah. You summon the worm. <laughs> you summon the worm. Uh, so yeah well i i want to ask you about this this uh, moving of the sky thing chris um so can't you need steven to Mm -hmm. turn back the sky to what it looked like uh 2000 years ago so they can find the coordinates of amit's tomb um chris what did you think about that we don't have to talk about the logistics of it it's you know it's whatever it that doesn't really matter at this point to me anyways you guys can talk about the logistics of it if you want to i just love the friggin scene I think it's shot really well. I love the the mirroring of the two characters, Conchu and and Stephen, holding their hands in the same way and, and turning the sky. I like the colors. Um, the music is really good at this point. I think, um, you know, Chris, what do you think about the whole turning back the the sky uh, scene? You know, when I talk about this series, I feel like I just have positives to say, and I hope that doesn't bother anybody. But I just really like it, and. And this scene particularly really stood out to me is, and this is going to be a, maybe hyperbolic, but again, I'm sorry. It's one of the prettiest shots in the MCU, I think, because it's so big. It's, it's a gigantic shot, and what's going on is affecting the entire area because we see bits in Cairo where people are noticing what's happening. I mean, it angered the gods. Um, even uh, Arthur Harrow was like, you did it now, can't you? And he doesn't even look happy. Like he doesn't look like, oh, I got him. He's like, you did it. You really did it this time, you know. And the fact that Conchu needed Stephen, the worm, the parasite. I like that because 
it shows, like I said earlier, Steven understands he needs Mark. Mark knows he needs Steven. And like he said, Aaron, now Kanshun understands we are one unit now. You know, and the way it's done is really interesting. And I like the concept of it. Like logistics aside, like we're watching a comic book series based on a character who's an avatar of an Egyptian moon god. I mean, if I was looking for realism, this is not the place. <laughs> so I, I just like that scene a lot. I, I thought it was really interesting. You know, that's kind of um, one of the things I signed up for when they announced Moon Knight series, like in like Indiana Jones, like something we haven't seen before. This is the kind of stuff I was expecting, sort of. Um, you know, this episode actually has a, a big mixture of stuff. You get mm-hmm. these crazy shows of power from Kanchu. I didn't know he was capable of. We get some violence from Moon Knight. I don't think people thought he was going to have. We get some great stuff with Mark, some great stuff with Steven. This is my favorite episode, and this was a perfect mm. cap off to this episode, this, this sky thing. Really cool. And then after the sky thing happens, there's an interesting thing that happens with Steven, Moon Knight. Um, and he he says it as it's happening. Layla's taking her pictures with the sky, and she's he's asking her to hurry up because... He's, he's losing energy, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the, the mask falls off his uh, face, so it's just his, his suit from the neck down. Um, and then he kind of passes out, and she's trying to wake him up. Mark Stevens uses both the names. How, how did you guys read that scene that, you know, does he have the power of Conchu anymore? Can he be Moon Knight anymore? Or is he just himself? How did you guys read that? Well, I think because they were kind of juxtaposing that scene with the gods doing their chart thing and Conchu mm-hmm. coming into that little um, rock formation. So I think um, in the end, I don't think he has Conchu's power anymore because Conchu says to what's it, Stephen? Yeah, because Lala was here. Get Mark to find me mm-hmm. or f- get Mark to save me or something like that. So um, now that Conchu's set in stone, I don't think I honestly don't think Mark has that power at the moment and that's why once Conchu was set in stone, um, Stephen or Mark, whoever passed out, because, yeah, they were losing power. As, as that rock was forming, Conchu was slowly losing his powers. So, well, was, he was losing his powers because, yeah, now he's stuck in there. That's how I looked at it. So that's how I read it. Yeah, I, I don't think he has the powers either, which, you know, this, I don't want to jump ahead, but this may lead to a very interesting episode four. Because if people are complaining there's no, not enough Moon Knight now, well, <laughs> he's gone ready. now. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to bring that up. Is there, um, or what? What's the, you know, the popularity or the reoccurrence of a Moon Knight issue? Say, like, if an episode's a single issue, what's is it? What's the um, relevance or repeated nature of Mark Spector, Stephen Grant, or Jake Lockley not being in a suit, and it's just them as humans? Does that happen often? Mm-mm. Yeah. Not often. I, I don't know if I've I've ever read it an issue. Like, if I have, I don't remember it, which means it may not be memorable. What about the um, – it, it could be wrong. Um, well, I guess the we Lemire run. Yet. The Lemire run, the lunatic. Yeah, that's that's probably the, yeah. the most. But that's yeah. – I would say that's a different thing. Because it's not, like, is... it's not standard Moon Knight. No. No, if he believes – Oh God, I gotta try and remember it. Emmett, well, you're reading it, it at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, I just finished it. Yeah, the first episode, and there's a scene where a little later on, where he kind of gets a 
a refurbished Mr. Knight yeah. suit where he's got like a bed sheet on his head. Um, yeah. You know, he, he, he's, he's two extra sheets away from being part of the Ku Klux Klan. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's kind of a, a refurbished version of it, but like a full on suit. That is, I don't think that happens until, I don't know, maybe the fourth, third issue of the, of the start of bit. that run. But like you said, Chris, it's not, that's not a standard Moon Knight comic. Night. This ain't no standard Moon Knight show, right? So they 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 can really they can, if they don't want to have a Moon Knight um, costume, Mister Knight costume, throughout the whole of it, I think that would upset some people. But I think if you take it in context for what we've seen so far of this show, I think it makes total sense. I will say this too, um, personally, I I didn't really think about the fact that we haven't had a lot of Moon Knight until I heard it last night on another podcast. Um, and they, I believe they said that he's only been in six minutes out of three episodes. Mm. Six minutes total of him in a suit. And it doesn't feel like that to me. But if we're going to have an episode completely without him, I think that is going to be strange. That said, though, it you have Oscar Isaac to fill that void. And I think his performance is really going to carry the next episode to where it's not going to be, where's Moon Knight? This sucks because there's no Moon Knight. Where's the violence? We still have this, you know? And I'm sure the next episode is going to be him trying to get the statue of Khonshu. He'll probably wake up in an asylum, but that's neither here nor there. So Conchu makes a sacrifice, which I thought was really cool. We we mentioned it before that he kind of accepts Stephen. Conchu kind of accepts his fate as well. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't fight it. He he knows what's going to happen to him if he does this. So there's kind of like a you know Conchu, as we've seen from episode two, is not a good entity. He he's very selfish and he mm-hmm. does things only for himself. In this episode, it's completely reversed. He's doing things knowing that something bad is going <laughs> to happen to him. Um, so I really enjoyed that. So then we get the scene where he's locked away in, in the rock or whatever. Um, and Arthur goes to talk to him. And, you know, we mentioned before that we learned more about Conchu and why he banished and the gods, all that kind of stuff. And we learned more about Arthur and what his life was like as the Avatar. Um, he's he's very hurt by what happened to uh, himself through Conchu. He's hurt for what Conchu did to him. He's, he mentions it a couple of times. Um, in this episode, you know, the pain, I think he mentions, or mm-hmm. he some kind causing. of violence. He, yeah, he, he likes causing, causing pain. Correct. So, you know, he's a this Arthur Harrow villain is very different. I don't know if this is meant to um, humanize him a little bit, if we're supposed to, to care now that, you know, is Conchu really the villain? or And we're just, you know, he did horrible things to... Arthur Harrow, much like he's using Mark. It seems like the pain that was inflicted on Arthur has not, you know, repeated itself with Mark. So maybe they were changed a little bit somehow. Um, maybe Conchu is using him differently. Um, but I really, it's really interesting that this is the end of the episode as well. Um, you know, a very interesting end of the episode with, with Arthur Harrow, you know, talking to um, a defeated Conchu. I, I, I thought it was, you know, again, Ethan Hawke was really great, very subtle, not over the top. You know, he didn't go in there screaming at Conchu. You mentioned it, Chris. Like, he, he knew it was going to happen. Like, he, as he said, oh, you did it. Um, you know, and he, he gets to them, he's talking to him, and he's like, man, you deserve this. Everything that you did to me, 
Um, everything that you put me through, um, everything you're putting Mark through now, as he mentioned in the in the trial scene, and Mark is sick, <laughs> like in Conchu's using him. Um, I, I think it's really great stuff. The the subtle nature of of the dialogue. I guess you mentioned that the dialogue in this series, but the acting is just outstanding in this ending scene uh, uh, specifically. It was a very good scene. It seems like um, like Arthur's carrying a lot of trauma with him than happened with Conchu uh, and him were a team. Um, and you can see the kind of weight on Mark's shoulders as well. Obviously, mm-hmm. Mark's obviously, um, he projects it a lot more. Um, then what Arthur, well, Arthur right now, I guess he's kind of in mission. So he's kind of relaxed. He's like, he's not on my shoulders anymore. I don't have to worry about him. Um, where, you know, Conchie's on Mark's and you can see the weight that's on Mark's shoulders. So I think it was a very, that scene itself, um, it was a very sort of like a reluctant victory, I guess, to a certain extent from Arthur. Mm-hmm. Cause Arthur's saying, you know, um, you've caused me enough pain, but you went ahead and did this, and now you've got what you deserved. And um, now, you know, basically the plan, it's kind of like a plan that Arthur had. He's like, if Arthur keeps going and he had that little trial scene, Arthur's probably thinking, if I keep pushing Concha, he's going to do something stupid. <laughs> and if he does something stupid, then the whole Concha Moon Knight thing is out of the way and I'm free to do whatever I want. So it's probably a really smart way of getting around kind of get Conchu out of the way. So now all Arthur has to do is get Mark out of the way altogether because obviously Arthur's going to know that if Mark breaks Conchu loose, then he's back to square one again. So which I predict uh, either episode four or five, we will see Mark in a lunatic asylum. But that's just me. I think Arthur's mad because Conchu wouldn't let him dance. He told him it was illegal. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's what I think. <laughs> what I'm wondering is realistic. What I'm wondering is what was he what was Arthur like as Conchu's avatar? And what yeah. did he what was he doing as the avatar? Because I think part of Mark's thing is Mark was selected for his set of skills. And the things he does, you know, Conchu knew this isn't a mercenary. He's gonna do what he's got to do. Maybe Arthur was not that kind of person, and that's where all this torment comes from. Like, you want me to to do this? I can't do that. Like, maybe he relates more to Stevens' character in a way. And I, I don't think we're really supposed to sympathize with Arthur either, because. While we've said, you know, he just he believes in what he's doing. He's not inherently like a big villain. Like he's not the Red Skull, <laughs> you know. He he is just just this kind of um, zealot, I guess. I don't know. Is that how you pronounce it, zealot? Mm-hmm. Okay. He he's just like one of those, one of those kind of people or a cult leader. And so, I'm wondering if we are going to see him go from zero to sixty. Or if that's even in his wheelhouse. Because what happens when he, if, um, and I'm using this if because I think we are going to see it, when Amit comes back. What if, like, what if they merge and it's like his body with Amit's head or something weird? Or maybe Amit eats him. You know, we've seen that in movies like this with these similar kind of stories. Bring the beast back. The beast kills them immediately. 
So I'm just kind of wondering what we're going to see with that too. Well, that's the thing. That's I think it's the last question that needs to be answered in terms of all the characters is Arthur's backstory. That's something we do not have really anything about. Well, that, that unless I've missed it, I mean, we don't no. know. You know, does he they have a military it. background? Did he have a military background, and that's why Conchu chose him, or was he? I don't look. I don't know. I'm not even bloody speculate because it's nothing like the comics at all. Like at the moment, so yeah, he's his own. Who knows? Yeah, he's his own but, thing. So that's the last ever question we've got remaining about Arthur. It's kind of like, what's his backstory? He just wanted to dance. He just. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Oh, yeah. When uh, screeners were sent out to um, the press, they were sent four episodes. We've been through three, and we're going to get into the fourth one next. Um, we've talked about it a little bit here, guys, but what are you expecting? Are you trying to. Mm. Chris, are you trying to ease those expectations after um, WandaVision stuff? Are you excited to find out what they got going on? Obviously, if you've seen some of the trailers um, for for the show, there is some stuff that we haven't seen yet. Um, that asylum type stuff, you know, uh, Mark or Steven in an all white kind of uh, hospital gown kind of thing. Um, we haven't seen that. There's some stuff inside uh, more pyramids that we haven't seen from some of the trailers. Um, you know, Chris, what are you expecting uh, for this next episode that we have yet to see? Well, as far as expectations go, I don't know if I can temper them at this point, to be perfectly honest, because the show really has met my expectations in a way. Um, I mean, you know how excited I was for this, and I haven't really been let down yet. I mean, there were certain aspects that blindsided me in a way because I wasn't expecting it, but nothing where I could say, man, that sucked. Um, so with all the expectations going to this fourth episode, which the reviewers and scoopers and bloggers, whoever they are, were hyping this thing up and saying it's game-changing and, you know, there's a lot to it. Um, I'm excited. I don't – I mean, I have a th the theory. I've said it before. I have a theory of what's going to happen. If that doesn't happen, like if he does not end up in an asylum, cool. I want to see what they do with it. I'm open mm -hmm. to it. Um, I'm very curious how they're going to handle this Moon Knight – this episode, which I think is what it's going to be. I mean, we're going to get a lot of great Oscar Isaac stuff. <laughs> I'm looking forward to or a lot of Mark stuff, I guess. Looking forward to that. And um, let's just see what they do with it. Aaron, what do you think? I'm going to predict. I'm going to be completely <laughs> wrong. Here's a prediction for you. Uh, I've already told Chris about this. Arthur's going to get Mark interned. So he's going to be in an asylum. So because in a because obviously Arthur already knows he's crazy and he's admitted that he's crazy. So he's got to be a new asylum. And so now he's got Mark trapped away. So then he's going to summon Ahmet or he's going to get into Ahmet's tomb because we've got to get, we've got to have Ahmet up here, I believe. She's going to um, come because she's going to be the, obviously the big bad. Then what I'm hoping is that the lunatic appears and um, Jake is unleashed <laughs> and he escapes. <laughs> So that'd be great. I'd love to see the lunatic. I reckon that'd be a cool, cool little. You know, he's got his own little white garb on, gets the uh, the sheet for the cape, and then he just wraps whatever he wraps around his head. So, do you think he's Moon Knight? That would be something. If that's the way we get introduced to Jake, that would be something. Yeah, but I don't know. I'm hoping that'd be interesting. Maybe you might see Crawley in there again in the actual asylum. That'd oh, be yeah, cool. If you go to the asylum and you have. Yeah, well, actually have him in the asylum, Yeah, you know? 
make you question if it's all real. Have all those characters, like have Layla in there, like just as an orderly and stuff like that to really mess with us. Yeah, like so the boss really could be a psychiatrist, the boss at the museum. Well, yeah, yeah, yep. So, well, what's the boss in um, the Lemire one was Emmett, wasn't it? Dr. Emmett. Right. Yep. Dr. Emmett. Uh, Dr. Emmett. <laughs> so, yeah, that might appear. So, yeah, or it could be like, um, I think it was you, Chris, that you could. It could be um, Angry Kevin Bacon could be the boss. Yeah, he could, he <laughs> so, could be yeah, the warden or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So many things could happen. It's so like basically the, the, what I'm trying to say is that I have no idea <laughs> what's about what to if, happen. Or not. What if, like, he, he gets back in the pyramid and he grabs the statue of Khonshu and then it switches to the asylum and the statue is a bar of soap that he carved? <laughs> <laughs> That would be something. <laughs> once again, once again, like I mentioned last week, this asylum is still got there's that, still that one little link that we're yet to experience, and how is it going to how is it going to appear? Well, the credits had more appear? of the hospital stuff. If you if anybody paid into the credits this this episode, mm -hmm. you do get more of what looks like a hospital hallway, and I want to say there was a room shown, but I can't remember. And the credits are forever changing. Mm -hmm. Like what I've noticed is like from this week, every single um, credit this week, uh, every episode has changed. So maybe, maybe it's got kind of like giving us an idea of what the next episode is going to be. Mm -hmm. It could be a possibility. Well, it's good practice to always stick around for the credits um, in any kind of Marvel uh, anything. Yeah. Uh, who knows what they're going to put in it. So, and, and doing this over top of the, um, you know, the creators of the show, people who worked on the show, I think it's a smart idea. I can't remember i think loki did it as well with kind of a, a different um end credit scene and i know wandavision did it as well okay. um, i think it's a smart idea well i think they had the tv um just just not like a, a black ticker is oh, yeah, kind yeah. of what i was thinking yeah they had it's like always changing yeah. yeah a visual so you're you're watching it because you want to know if something else is going to happen but you're also watching it because you're seeing the people who created this episode so i, I think it's a smart way to do it all around I've learned after three episodes not to expect anything from this show um, because like every the, 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 the start of episode Cop two. <laughs> Cop out. Come on. What's going to happen? Start, you've read, you've the, read the Lemire run. Come on. Yeah. The, the start of episode two started where I didn't think it was going to. The start of episode three started where I didn't expect it to, to start. I think that's going to be the same with episode four. It's going to start where I where somewhere completely different. I don't think it's going to start in the desert with Mark on the ground or Steven on the ground, it's going to start somewhere completely different. Um, so trying, I, it, from, I, I, we're going to get the asylum because we've seen it in trailers. That's going to happen. It, it, I believe it's going to be in the show, how they work it into it. I think you have um, a, a smart idea. I think it was Chris that you said that Arthur is going to get committed or Aaron, yeah, if you said it, Aaron, get him committed. I think it's a smart way of doing it, a different way of doing it from in the comics. Whereas, you know, <laughs> he just wakes up there. On the first issue and he's he's in he's in the asylum and you don't really know what's going on so making it make more sense in the world that arthur is doing it um would be an interesting take i mentioned this to chris in the dms about having people in that asylum who are also in the show i think that would be totally awesome seeing layla in there seeing crawley in there as people in you know in the asylum as orderlies as people who work there um, i think that just makes a ton of sense for uh, people who haven't seen or read any Moon Knight seeing that I think would really weird them out and for people mm -hmm. like uh, uh, you guys who who know the story 
um, seeing it for you, just like, oh man, this is totally awesome. You know, <laughs> just it's just a cool thing, <laughs> a, a, a cool nod to, to to what we've seen before and and how, how it goes forward. I don't know. I hope we get more of this third personality. Um, they teased it way too much, uh, too and very obviously in this third episode. I hope they continue on with it. I hope we we don't see. Uh, nothing of it in episode four. I hope they continue on with this third personality thing because there's only three episodes left. Um, there, there's not a lot left to do, but or uh, there is a lot left to do and maybe not a lot of time, but we've seen so far that they've also packed a lot into these episodes as well. We get a lot of information, a lot of acting, a lot of action. Um, you know, because you mentioned it, I guess there's only six minutes of the Moon Knight character. Uh, in the suit, I hadn't noticed it until you mentioned it now. It's not something I felt like I was missing um, because mm -hmm. of everything else that we're getting. They we're getting so much other good stuff <laughs> in these episodes. So um, I, I can't wait for episode four. I can't wait for any of these episodes. I watch them as soon as I can. They're just, it, 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 it is must watch for me. And hearing what has been said about episode four um, has me a little scared and also very excited <laughs> to see what's happening. I wouldn't be surprised if you, if uh, episode four starts off with him in the asylum. Yeah, it's like exactly. the longer run. He just wakes up and he's in the asylum, and he'll be like, oh, that, that "Okay, <laughs> yeah, like here we go." I'm, so I'm then he's got to try and yeah. If he wakes up in the asylum, then he's got to try and convince everybody of what he just went through. But everyone thinks he's nuts, but we know what he went through, and then we're questioning what's going on. Like if what we saw was real, then he's questioning and he's trying to convince people and. Yeah, it could work that way. The little girl is Amit and Mephisto. <laughs> Got to be little Mephisto. Girl. The Got to little be girl from the, from the museum. It's always Mephisto, yeah. I had someone said it might have been um, Anubis. Oh. Saying there might have been that. But she was definitely an avatar. She had she to was have something. been. She had, the way she spoke to Mark is like, that's, you know, I don't know. What are they teaching her at school? <laughs> Apparently not to put your trash where it's supposed to go. Yeah, teacher. Yeah, well, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Talk you about the talk you about uh, the death of you know the Egyptian deaths, but you know that's right. Having where a bin is. <laughs> Did anyone notice a QR code? I didn't see one. No, I didn't see one. This G code, time. QR code. No, no. I, see one. No, I missed it. I'm sure it's there though. I bet you it's there somewhere. <laughs> I didn't see anybody mention it actually. I'm gonna have to watch it again then. Yeah. Oh darn. <laughs> Shucks. <laughs> oh sure. Oh, did you notice um when um Midnight Man got was it stabbed in the back, I think it was, with the, the dart and they were leaving to go to the car in the background, the clock was at midnight. Oh I didn't notice that. Yeah, the clock's at midnight. TikTok. TikTok. TikTok mark. Yeah. Which I don't know what that TikTok meant, TikTok mark. mark. Mm -hmm. Hurry up. It felt, it felt a little out of place when he said it. Yeah, I didn't get it. Like, what, hurry up with what? <laughs> I guess stop. Kill them all, Mark. Kill yeah. them all. Break his windpipe. <laughs> Break his windpipe. Dance with Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> what else Kevin Bacon? Well, never mind. Let's say, what else has Kevin Bacon been in that's memorable? But that's what I was thinking of Footloose. And sleepers, of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to skip right over that conversation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Conversation for another podcast. Gathering another the Geeks podcast. presents Bacon. <laughs> the Six know. Degrees of um, Kevin Bacon. The Baconator. 
right, guys. So that's the review for episode three of Moon Knight, the friendly type. Uh, very interesting uh, names to all these episodes so far. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it is going forward. So before we get on out of here, guys, let's do some plugs. Aaron, where can everyone find you? You can find me leaking off of Emma and Chris on Twitter <laughs> at Aaron Cajanto. So you can find me there. And I'm also, just quickly, I like the way they do their little posters before the episodes. Oh, yeah. They do their little poster drops. You're like, ooh, what does this mean? And everyone just goes crazy. But anyway, yes, you can find me at Aaron Cajanto. If you don't know how to spell that, just follow Emma or Chris or Gathering of the Geeks and you can find me there. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter at thatchris70. But like I always say, I prefer if you follow our Twitter account, which is G of the Geeks. And um, we got some YouTube stuff. Emmett knows how to explain it. You can follow me on Twitter at EmmettDavis7. And yeah, yeah, Gathering of the Geeks is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Gathering of the Geeks and you will find us. Uh, I just want to say thanks to Aaron and Chris again. And thanks to everyone for listening to Moon Nighting. Brought to you by Gathering of the Geeks. And uh, for Chris and for Aaron, I am Emmett. And we gather on Sundays. Later, Gators. Later.